This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about scallops. Yes, and we're all very excited about this. <laughs> oh my goodness, we are. Um, I They're one of my favorite foods. Oh, me too. I love scallops. I love like a just saute, a little butter, a little lemon, maybe some parsley. Yeah. It's simple. Just a, just a quick sear, like, mm. right, just a tiny bit of salt. And that's all you really, they're so good. And they are one of the things, you were talking about poutine on a menu um, uh, being one of the things that like you just stop and like that is as far yeah. as you get. That is how I feel about scallops. Like, yeah. like I will read the rest of the menu out of like respect <laughs> for the kitchen, but yeah. like I'm going to order the scallops. It's pretty much foregone yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because when you become like pretty good friends with someone, I would say we're very good friends, Lauren. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we certainly have been to any number of restaurants together. Yes. And I can be like, probably Dylan, <laughs> super producer Dylan and Lauren are going to get these scallops and maybe I can get a bite. <laughs> but it's like one of those things I'm like pretty sure that's what they're going to get. Yeah, yeah. I always appreciate that. Like, like walking into a place with a, yeah, with someone that you know that well and being like, okay, all right. I don't have to order that because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that, they're gonna. <laughs> right, exactly. The <laughs> thing is, though, scallops are one of those. I mean, you're always very kind 
and share, but it is one of those foods when you get your like get your own scallops, friends, because <laughs> <laughs> you don't normally get too many. Sure, um, sure. And in order, my little brother was like that as well before he became vegetarian. He's always oh, scallops uh-huh. were the thing he was gonna get, like no matter what. Um, and they definitely they they when I see them on a menu, it's probably I'm gonna go that way. <laughs> Oh, oh, they're so good. And also, you know, listeners, we love talking about some strange marine yeah. <laughs> anatomy biology. Oh my heck. And I didn't there 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 weren't enough hours in the day today. I was really trying to fit, but there's also so many different species and yes. they're so weird oh, that I'm yes. just like I there wasn't I couldn't. I'm sorry. Um Oh, no need to apologize. It's a lot, but Definitely, listeners, if you have not looked up a picture of a scallop. Of like a live a scallop. A live scallop in the wild. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're so, uh, I mean, we're going to get into that. Yes. I'll, I'll oh, save I'm it. so excited. <laughs> I'll save it for then. I'll save it for then. Um, yes. uh, we've, we, we have done, yes, we have done other uh, sea creatures before. Um, the, the, the oyster, fairly related, also a bivalve. Yes. Um, also, we've done the lobster, uh, crawfish, crayfish, other, However you any number, say it. crawdaddy, mm-hmm. any number of names. <laughs> Crabs, kind of related. Uh, snails. Ooh, snails. Kind yeah. of related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although we usually eat land snails, not sea snails, but sure. Yeah, yeah. And then we've done a bunch of fish, but th- I would say these are definitely the ones that are closest in terms of... Yeah, shellfish related, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, let us get to our question. <laughs> let us. <laughs> yes. Scallops. What are they? Oh, my heck. Uh, well, uh, scallops are, yes, a type of seafood, a shellfish indeed. Um, and the part most often eaten here in the United States anyway is um, a uh, white to pinkish white disc of muscle that when it's raw is very tender and a little bit translucent, um, almost almost like a jelly. And that when you cook it, um, it it'll firm up to being kind of opaque and chewy the, the, the longer you, the, you let it go. The flavor is on the delicate side, um, sweet and briny and rich. Mm. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, delicate is a good word for it. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. This was a very serious craving uh, mm. episode. I, like, I started thinking, oh, I just started thinking about them. I started thinking about having them in um, in sushi. Yeah. And, right, yeah. just like that nice sear we were talking. Okay, anyway. Um, uh <laughs> Uh, scallops, the animal, are a bivalve, uh, meaning they've got a shell composed of two halves that are hinged at one end. And there are a whole bunch of different genuses and species um, within the family Pectiniae um, that are all referred to as scallops. And they all have slightly different biologies and lifespans and life patterns. Some of them are hermaphroditic and some uh, some are not. There, there's a whole bunch of different things going on with scallops. There's a whole bunch of different things going on with scallops, y'all. <laughs> now that is a shirt or a pillow. <laughs> I've heard one. 
So true, though. Yes, a whole bunch is going on. <laughs> oh, heck. Um, they are really interesting. Like, they are they are a lot more complex than, for example, an oyster. Um, uh, right. And so much so that I didn't really get to delve as far into it as I wanted to today. Um, but... But basically, what you're looking at um, is 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 within these these two halves of of a hinged shell. Um, you've got this this large muscle, um, then surrounded by a kind of meaty mantle and some guts and some gills and some gonads, um, and then uh, you know some nervous system kind of stuff, and, and then um, uh, peeking out at the outer edge of the shell. Um, you've got these tentacles, these small tentacles um, that they use to, you know, sense what's going on around them, um, and a large number of eyes, um, like as many as 200 eyes situated around the edge of their shell. And um, in some species, they are colored bright blue, like bright, bright, bright blue, which is very striking in photographs. Also very striking in photographs is the fact that, um, that they're mirrored um, they've got these little mirror uh, uh, little bits inside of their eyes that help the eyes work. Um, and so they're quite reflective Yeah, in photographs. So when a scallop is looking at you in a picture that's that's had a flash, it's just, it's very, it's a lot. <laughs> it is, and look it up. <laughs> I'm telling you, you've got to see it. <laughs> I don't think I knew. I don't think I was aware. <laughs> no, me either. It was news to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad that I know now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, gosh, I, yeah, I, I really, okay, okay, it's a different show, it's a different day. Anyway, uh, the shells, the shells, um, they're typically roughly circular in shape um, with, a, with a flat end where, right, the hinge attaches the two halves. Each half is uh, shaped like a, like a shallow dish. Sometimes one will be deeper than the other so that the creature can, like, sit in sand and present, like, a relatively unobtrusive flat profile up to the world. But anyway, um, uh, in some types, the shells are smooth. And in others, they have these deep um, ridges or ribs radiating outward um, with the hinge being the focal point, um, sort of like a hand fan, you know? Yeah. And um, the word escalloped, meaning uh, ridged in like slopey little dips, um, comes from the shape of these shells. Um, The shells can come in a wide range of colors from white to oranges to purples. Really pretty, really pretty. Oh, yeah. And their shells are continually growing. Uh, You can count the rings radiating outward from the shell's hinge to estimate how many years old a scallop is, like a tree. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It'll take a few years for scallops to reach what's considered full size for harvesting. How long that will be will depend on the type of scallop in question. Um, for just for example, for Atlantic sea scallops, it's like three to four years, but you can get let them go a lot longer. Like they can live up to about twenty years or more um, and get kind of large. Uh, scallops can produce millions or hundreds of millions of eggs every year, um, and will. Uh, breed by releasing them out into the water column, and um, and and similarly, uh, males or um, things that are creating sperm at that moment will release their sperm, and then it's just sort of like, well, hopefully the sperm and the eggs find each other and result in fertilized eggs that hatch as larvae. <laughs> Though apparently, one in a million or fewer of those uh, eggs will get fertilized and go on to reach adulthood. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Shotgun style, you know? Go. (laughs) (laughs) Those larvae, though, uh, will float around for a month or two um, before starting to grow their shell and then uh, uh, falling and settling on the seafloor. Though they don't really settle in um, generally like like, say, oysters do. Which, if you're if you're going out and getting like a wild oyster, you gotta hammer it off of the rock um, that that the shells have attached themselves to. Uh, scallops are a lot more mobile than that. Um, they can, or most of them are. Um, most of them can swim and swim pretty fast, and thus um, avoid predators like starfish, which will use their weird limbs to pry a shell apart and then disgorge their stomach into the shell, and then liquefy the bivalve and then suck their stomach back in. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> Starfish aside, couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. And or no, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> putting that in there. Um feel like you got some very specific experience slash memories of this. Uh, I, it's just one of the things that I'm like, well, that's really borked, nature. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Also, again, highly recommend looking up footage of scallops moving. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's super cool. Mm -hmm. (sighs) All right. Anyway, um, we're a food show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Purportedly, again. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, certainly here in the States, um, the part that you probably think of when you think of scallops as food, um, that that thick, meaty, white disc, is the scallop's um, adductor muscle, um, which it uses to open and shut its shell, um, though it never completely closes, unlike, say, uh, clams or mussels or oysters. And if you think about the similar muscle in any of those bivalves, um, you'll get an idea of how the two animals or two types of animal um, use them differently because in those other bivalves, um, uh, that muscle is used to hold the shell shut tight uh, most or all of the time. Um, It's a stiff, fibrous little bit that we pretty much just cut through in order to open the shell and eat the the, the meaty bit, the mantle. Um, But Scallops, right, don't sit in one place. Once they mature, usually, they they swim um, by fluting water through their shell, which they do by flexing that muscle. And so that's why it grows so large. Um, but, uh, but the whole scallop is edible. Uh, if you get them uh, whole or, or live, um, they might have a, a purse of a bright orange roe in the shell that can also be eaten raw or cooked. Um, it'll still have that mantle attached, uh, smaller and tougher than in some of those other bivalves, but still tasty. You can uh, you can tenderize it and serve it raw as like a like a sashimi, or you can dry it out for for use um, in in snacks or, or, or powders, um, or you can cook it into soups or stews. Oh, so mm. tasty! One of my mm. favorite one of my favorite izakayas um, in Atlanta, uh, Shoya, has a dish of like when they get live scallops in, where they'll 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 you know take the 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 good scallop bit and serve it as sashimi but then also serve you the rest of the scallop uh, like cooked up with like, it, like, like into kind of like a, like a broth mm. that you just kind of like slurp out of the shell. Oh my goodness. Oh, it does sound good. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what about the nutrition? 
Uh, by themselves, scallops are pretty good for you. Uh, high in protein, a little bit of fat, good smattering of vitamins and minerals. They will help keep you going, I would say, to fill you up. Um, uh, you know, probably pair with a vegetable. Always eat a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, some recipes for scallops can involve a lot of butter or cream. So, like, watch your serving sizes there. But, but you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we do have some numbers for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these are pretty U.S. specific, but um, the scalping industry is hugely important to the U.S. East Coast. In 2018, the value of the commercial scalp industry in and around Maine was $532.9 million. Um, and this was a huge increase, up $100 million from 2014 alone. Yeah, uh, and it went even higher in 2019, up to um, $559 million, um, which placed it second only to lobsters in terms of catch value in the region. Um, they, they are what some uh, fisher people, fisher folk, um, mm-hmm. uh, aquaculture humans um, uh, refer to as a high-ticket item. Um, a single scallop <laughs> can sell wholesale for around three bucks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, so when we were doing this episode, I was looking for scallops, you know, perhaps obviously, um, <laughs> and I couldn't find any, but I found some, I did not buy them, but I found some that were frozen that were bacon wrapped scallops. And I was like, frozen and this? already wrapped in bacon. Yes. Huh. Yes. Huh. You know, maybe if I, I'm not opposed to it. I was just a little perplexed. I mean, have you had a bacon-wrapped scallop? I have not. Oh, oh, classic pairing. Very, uh, very, like, like late 80s, early 90s. (laughs) Like the surf and turf. Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally. It's, it's, it's super good. Um, I highly recommend it, but, um... It, it, it can be, A, it can be a lot. B, like, you really have to get the texture of both right. Otherwise, right. it's kind of, like, soggy and chewy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is not what I want from no. that experience. Me either. Well, maybe, anyway. I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll investigate. <laughs> um, but the price was very high, is, was the point I was circuitously trying to get to. Sure. Um, yes, totally. Yes. Um, The value of Maine's scallop fishery was estimated to be just under $2 million in 2002, and that was a drop from 1993 when it was valued around $10 million, which that drop sparked a push for some protections and changes around scalloping in the region, and we're going to get into that in the history section. Yeah, uh yeah, it's it's been called like a like a true success story um in the in the fishing industry. And it's been so important to that region that um, that that a lot of research is still being done, um, and and with special programs in place to help it along. Um, for example, of the allowed wild sea scallop harvest in the Atlantic, 1.25 million pounds are sold specifically to fund that research um, through this initiative called the Scallop Research Set Aside Program. Um, and I'll say that that is a really tiny amount, like a few hundred million pounds are caught every year. So, yeah. but, it's, but it's nice. It's just a nice, yeah. it's, it's, you know, fishers, fishers helping, helping the industry out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, scalping is not just important to the East Coast here. In Alaska, mm-hmm. the long-term average harvest of weather vane scallops from about 1993 to 2014 was around 600,000 pounds or about 273,000 kilos. 
And uh, and we import a lot too, um, some three hundred million dollars worth every year because uh, yeah, different species grow in um, different kind of cool ocean regions around the world. Mm-hmm. Research conducted from 2016 to 2018 estimated that the sea scallop population was around 34 million, 34 million individual sea scallops. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the way scallops work, the population of them and the reasons behind any decrease is sort of like uh, the sea equivalent of the canary in a coal mine. Like they can serve as early indicators of a problem in the environment. I think we talked about that with oysters as well, just because of how yeah. mm-hmm. they function. They can be a really good indicator of any kind of issue. Um, but as we've been talking about, uh, we did see a pretty massive decrease of scallops here, but also some successful policies put into place that really turned that around. Yeah. Um, and we are going to get into all of that history and more. Uh, yes. But first, we're going to uh, pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, scallops are believed to have evolved over 245 million years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we're not going to go into all that detail. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to be the longest episode. <laughs> yes. Strap in. We've got a lot to say about scallops. Um, researchers have found scallop fossils dating back to the early Cretaceous period, about 112 to 110 million years ago. But yeah, they've survived quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As we've discussed in previous episodes when it comes to food... Researchers believe that humans who have had access to mollusks, like scallops, have been eating them since forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, just like we've discussed before, the history of this one is really tricky to trace because a lot of different names were used for scallops throughout the written record. Uh And the name scallop was also used to refer to multiple mollusks that were not scallops. Nope. Nope. So that's fun. Yep. Yep. And then just think about scalloped dishes, that word. right. Uh, Yes. uh And scallops can be scalloped. (laughs) Um, Some historians believe that the term scalloped originated, it was to describe foods that involved cream, butter, and breadcrumbs baked and served in scalloped shells. But... There is perhaps a surprising amount of discourse on this. Huh. Yeah, like future episodes, perhaps. Ooh. But people have a lot of thoughts about what this means and where it came from. (laughs) Yeah. Into that. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. In the 300s BCE, Greek philosopher Xenocrates wrote about scallops, quote, grilled and served with vinegar and sylphium, they tend to loosen the bowels owing to their excessive sweetness. (laughs) They are juicier and easier to digest if they are baked. Mm. (laughs) Okay. All right. Sure. All right. Yeah. Aristotle wrote about scallops, describing how he believed they were better when caught in the spring, which is when they spawn, I believe, or at that time, what scallops he was writing about when they spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, records indicate that scallops were enjoyed by the ancient Romans, and they were sometimes used in souffle-like recipes at the time. Huh. Yeah. All right. I'm into that. Me too. Some sources suggest that folks in Florida were harvesting bay scallops all the way back to the 9th century CE. Oof. Yeah. Um, and, and now a note... On scallop shells in art. Because, okay, scallop shell motifs in European architecture and art and objects date back to ancient Greece and Rome. Um, And during medieval times, they really boomed in popularity, it seems, as a symbol. Um, Starting around the 1200s and then kind of really ramping up in like the 1400s, yeah, scallop shells just started appearing everywhere in art and architecture, as symbols of um, strength or protection, of birth or rebirth, of uh, femininity, and um, and Christian pilgrimage. In which case, they are especially associated with the Way of St. James, which is this pilgrimage uh, mirroring the journey of one of Jesus' disciples. Like the Mediterranean scallops, uh, a specific type of scallop, its taxonomical name is a reference to this. Um, it's Pectin Jacobius, which it's not... Jamesus or something because of some <laughs> interesting things related to Germanic terms. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just scallops everywhere. 
everywhere. Um, like that shell that Botticelli's Venus is rising up from is a scallop shell. Uh, it, it, if once you start looking for it, you will see it everywhere. Yes. And once you brought this up, where did my mind go immediately? SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> I think there are some... <laughs> well, I have n- no idea what you're talking about, but that's delightful. We still... I guess I guess I still need to watch that show, and we still need to do an episode about it, so... Oh, I am excited for that. <laughs> forthcoming. Forthcoming. Forthcoming, indeed. Um... Well, scallop art aside, uh-huh, uh-huh. yes, a popular way to eat scallops in the 17th century was to chop the meat up, combine it with breadcrumbs and sauce, put it back in the shell, and bake it up, which sounds kind of like that scalloped term, uh-huh. uh, or kind of the agreed-upon definition of, that I very superficially, I won't say I went too deep into this, but kind of the agreed-upon definition of what that means um, also sounds delicious to me. Between the 1600s to 1800s, several recipes for stewed scallops started showing up in English cookbooks and a few in uh, neighboring areas as well. The 1875 English work, Castle's Dictionary of Cookery with numerous illustrations, had this entry on scallops. The scallop is a shellfish somewhat larger than an oyster and somewhat resembling it in shape. It is something like a crab in taste. It may be served in two or three ways and is generally highly esteemed where it is known. (laughs) The scallop may enter appropriately into any fish pie, though it should be boiled previously. It is best when scalloped. The deep shells of the scallop (laughs) should be carefully preserved after they are used and will be used when it is wished to scallop the remains of dressed fish of any kind. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this is like that buffalo sentence. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was reading this like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wish to scallop the room. I love it. Um, and then Castle's new universal cookery book out of 1894 updated it with this note. We should add that scallops, when not in good condition, are most objectionable in flavor and also very unwholesome. Cost about a penny each. (laughs) (laughs) No, good note. Good note. Uh, Fresh fresh seafood is best. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know that I've ever had a bad scallop, but I absolutely believe that they are bad. (laughs) Yes. In 19th century North America, scallops ranked below oysters, lobsters, and clams in terms of desirable New England shellfish. So people really didn't prefer them if given a choice. Though there were some earlier mentions of scallops, they really didn't start showing up in New England cookbooks on a regular basis until the 1870s. Oystermen out of Connecticut are thought to be some of the first to tap the commercial market for scallops in this country, helping to foster a taste for them in nearby New York. Scalloping was officially recognized in the U.S. in the 1880s. Rhode Island was the top producer at this time. Um, and commercial scallopers often implied women to open the shell and remove the and remove and pack the meat for sale. Um, and before diesel engines came onto the scene, uh, usually people used drags on sailboats to get the scallops. Maine's commercial industry coalesced in 1900 when the gasoline engine became available. And 
I guess speaking of gasoline, um, and also one more art note, um, <laughs> what would become the Shell Oil Company was named for the seashells, among other goods, that the company originally was importing from Asia, also including uh, petroleum products. And uh, Shell's scallop logo, that is a scallop shell in its logo, was first debuted in 1904. I did not know that. Yep. I did not know that. Huh. Well, it took several decades for the scalping industry to really take off in the U.S. It wasn't until the 1920s and 30s, some improvements in transportation and the discovery of sea scallops at George's Bank that allowed for the transport of both bay and sea scallops across the country that scallops saw this substantial growth in popularity here. Still, um, they had a bit of an awareness reputation problem, perhaps. Take this quote from George Frederick's 1937 Long Island Seafood Cookbook. The seas are full of both fearful and beautiful things, but none lovelier than the fluted shellfish, the scallop. The scallop is also, I believe, a misrepresented fish. Oh. <laughs> oh, and I and I and I didn't mention this at the top, but um, but if you're unaware of the um kind of essential difference between bay scallops and sea scallops. Yes, location is one of them, but but bay scallops tend to be the small ones that you find, maybe um maybe the size of a of a small coin. Um and uh the sea scallops are usually much larger. So, yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Um meanwhile, uh Japan started up its scallop aquaculture programs in the 1950s and um and a lot of the technologies being used to this day um all around the world are from those programs. In Theodora Fitzgibbon's 1976 book, The Food of the Western World, Fitzgibbon claimed the most familiar species in British waters of scallop uh, was the great scallop and that it was superior in taste to the American variety of scallops, which I was oh. kind of like, okay. Well, I see. People All did right. like, throughout history, people would write in and they would really weigh in on this, um, <laughs> which it did make me laugh. Also, um, I'd forgotten about, you know, base scallops that, they're nice fried, like a like gentle fry. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, in the 1970s and 80s, some folks started using scuba gear for scallop collection. Women were key in gathering bay scallops during summer seasons in Florida in the 1970s, too. Um, so they would wade into the water with these wooden boxes that had clear glass bottoms called scallop boxes, and they would spend hours collecting these scallops before returning home to shuck and clean them. Um, and it was really interesting because a lot of this information I got through various maritime museums oh, in Florida. Huh. Yeah, yeah, which I just was like, ooh. I love that this is like a museum exhibit I could go and learn more. Yeah, yeah. Now I feel, especially, yeah, like I, I don't think I've ever been to a museum in Florida that specifically talked about the history of scalloping. Well, we've got to fix that. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess to be fair, I was mostly on the East Coast. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> this brings us to modern times and sort of the the decline and then subsequent increase of scout population we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, because scout populations did experience a, a pretty significant decline due to coastal development, overfishing, declines in seagrass, and climate change. Around 1993, landings for scallops began steadily dropping, though they had been on the decline since the 1970s about. 
Um, and there have been a lot of efforts to combat this. Uh-huh. Some of the first overfishing regulations around scallops in the U.S. went into effect in 1985, including the implementation of a scalping season and limits on the amount of scallops that could be fished. Commercial harvest and sale of bay scallops in Florida were banned completely in 1994. The Sustainable Fisheries Act was enacted in 1996, and the Magnuson-Stevens Fishery Conservation and Management Reauthorization Act was enacted in 2006. In 2012, the federal government introduced an overfishing level of 1.29 million pounds of shucked scallop meat and an annual catch limit of 1.161 million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and there have been multiple studies about the longevity of scallops and ways to improve their numbers. The Maria Mitchell Association, the MMA, and Nantucket Shellfish Association, or the NSA, launched a long-term study of bay scallops in the area in 2003. In 2016, the Fish and Wildlife Research Institute launched a 10-year project to boost the population of bay scallops along the Florida coast to a self-sustaining level. And these are just a few examples. There are plenty more. Yeah, yeah. And some of these initiatives have produced promising results. From 1998 to 2011, the American scalping industry saw a massive comeback. Um, 12 to 58 million pounds harvested during that time. The industry value going from $76 million to $579 million over that mm-hmm. time. In 2019, America had their largest harvest of scallops since 2018 with 58.2 million pounds, the fifth highest harvest in history. Um, and that was at the time. I'm not sure if something has surpassed it since then. But big increase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, I believe, is talking about sea scallops, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going back and forth with some of these things. Um, but but yeah, uh, uh, just overall, um, there is still, uh, as we said, a lot of research going into it. And yeah, it's pretty promising. Um, you know, uh, farming a filter feeding, water column breeding animal like a scallop is is a pretty great thing to do for a few reasons. Um one, or like better than some other aquaculture for a few reasons. Um, one, uh, they eat phytoplankton, which is a microorganism that's pretty good at sustaining its own populations um, out in the sea or ocean or bay or et cetera. Um, uh, also, uh, they help literally filter the water, improving the quality of their environment wherever they live. Um, also, some research suggests that the presence of scallop farms might help bolster wild scallop populations because of the way that they that they spawn freely out in the water. Um, you know, maybe mixing with wild scallop spawn, maybe increasing fertilization of both populations. Good stuff. Good stuff. And speaking of, there is still research being done into scallops' eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, we had to talk about it. We did. It's so cool. Okay, so... um. <laughs> <laughs> their their eyes, um, they're up to two hundred eyes. Um, every every eye that a scallop has, um, each will will use a concave mirror, made up of a mosaic of tiny square crystals, in order to focus incoming light onto the eye's retina. Our eyes have a, have have squishy lenses that that do that light focusing thing, right? Yeah. Uh, but okay, uh, in scallops. The retina of each eye is double-layered, 
so that depending on where the light is coming from into the eye, um, whether it's right in front of the scallop or toward the periphery, um, the the mirror can help focus the light onto one or the other of the retina's two layers. And thus, the scallop can still get a good look at what's going on around it either way. Um, we do this by, you know, like looking around, but, um, but, but scallops, you know, don't have like eye sockets. They can't like, like turn like we can necessarily. So yeah. Um, and furthermore, uh, the, 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 that mosaic structure of those little light focusing, um, crystals that form up into that concave mirror, that mosaic structure is pretty much exactly what we use in reflecting telescopes in order ah! to focus light. So, <laughs> what? So cool. <laughs> so cool. It's so interesting, yeah. And like there's, right, yeah, there really is still a whole bunch of research being done into it, and I am delighted by every single bit of it that I've read. Um, yes. Yes. I mean, just imagine having 200 eyes. Uh, oh, I... See, I feel like I feel like parsing information from my two eyes is often <laughs> difficult. I'm going yes. like, oh gosh, like like there must be some really interesting uh, like data uh, sifting going That's, on in there. Yeah. Like surprisingly complex for such a like relatively simple animal. Yeah, I wonder. You know, there's a uh, type of zombie in The Last of Us, too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh called the Shambler. And it is mostly eyes. And I'm always yeah. like, what happened here? Oh. And then yeah. run away quickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not to be trifled with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything with that many eyes, I'm like, mm, mm. Mm, can't escape. Can't Cherubim? Escape. <laughs> Well, <laughs> biblical angels have lots of eyes as well. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, look it up. If you haven't, if we haven't convinced you, go look up their eyes. It's cool. Mostly scallops. I no, Yeah. I mean, you can look up the other stuff too. Uh, if you want a nightmare, look up the Shambler. Also the Rat King from Last of Us too. Oh my um, but anyway, I think that's what we have to say about scallops <laughs> for now. That is. That is. Um, we do. We do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. 
Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... That's about how they move. Yeah. I think we perfectly captured it. (laughs) (laughs) Through the miracles of sound production. Yes. Um. (laughs) And pure, pure, raw talent. (laughs) We definitely painted a picture. Uh, Definitely. Yes. David wrote, Jess listened to your white chocolate episode, and I could so relate with Lauren about the alpine white candy bar from Nestle. I loved that candy bar as a kid, and it just makes me so sad that it does not exist anymore. I would, as a little kid, break off the pieces and just let it melt in my mouth. So yummy. (laughs) I try to eat things like the Hershey's Gold Bars from a few years back or the Cookies and Cream Bar, but they just don't cut it. Darn you, Nestle. Darn you to heck. (laughs) I would also listen the heck out of a defunct candy nostalgia podcast. Mm. Another candy bar I miss is the American Mars Bar. I have tried the European one, and it is not the same. Uh I worked for a company that did sales and marketing for M&M slash Mars for a while. While I was there, I grilled our rep from that company about that, and they said that they had replaced it with the Highly inferior, in my honest opinion, Snicker Almond Bar, and there were no plans to ever bring it back. <gasps> Sadly, I went back to my server room and wept bitterly for my beloved Mars Bar. <laughs> <laughs> I still keep hoping that they will bring it back when they realize the error of their ways. One day, one glorious day. <laughs> I love this. I'm telling you, everyone has this thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally get like the difference when people will be like, no, it's the same thing. And they, you're like, it's not. No. I know. But also they do. I mean, I could definitely do more research on this, but I've, I've read stories where they certainly change formulas based on the country and taste of whatever sure. region. Sure. Of items with the same label. 
Um, so I hear you. This is a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> and it should not be stood for. Should not be stood for. I'm telling you. Maybe one day we'll do a whole items you can't get anymore <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Lauren and Annie make you sad in a nostalgic way. <laughs> yes. And also filled with righteous anger. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. The righteous anger saver miniseries. I like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vivian wrote about the uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland episode. Loved the voice acting and sound editing you and your team did for this episode. I never managed to get through the book when I tried to read it many years ago, finding it rather inane, but now I might give it another shot. If you guys ever make a full audio drama, I would listen in an instant. Perhaps you ran out of time this episode, but I was surprised that you didn't touch more on Dodgson's mathematical aptitude. He did some core academic work with mathematical logic. Uh, Many years ago, I took a summer class in logic and reasoning, and his syllogisms featured quite heavily. His mathematical publications are just as whimsical and brain-contorting as Alice in Wonderland. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. Good recommendation. Yeah. 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 You know, like, there was a certain amount of just, like, I I wasn't sure where to... um, kind of like cut off the the that branch of research because um or, or reading rather because because uh, there's so much out there about it and um and we are a food show <laughs> purportedly purportedly yep <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that is fascinating um I think I knew of this but I'm glad I'm glad you brought it to our attention because I actually really love math and logic puzzles so I want to look into this um also I responded to Vivian um first of all it was so fun to do everyone was so fantastic in it so thank yes. you I'm glad you enjoyed yeah, it yeah absolutely but also Lauren you were reading like <laughs> during readings <laughs> of this chapter um of this chapter of these books uh during the pandemic yeah yeah um uh when kind of like like first thing during shutdown in what was it like like April or maybe May of 2020 um I missed performing so much um that I I started and, and kind of inspired by a few other performers that I saw doing stuff around the internet. Um I started reading Alice in Wonderland um on what's it called? Fa- Facebook, Facebook Live. Yeah. That <laughs> that thing where you're on Facebook but it's a video and it's happening mm-hmm. live. That one. Um mm-hmm. uh yeah, and uh, yeah, and went through both books. Um, the videos are still up on my Facebook page. If you can spell Vogelbaum, you can find it. Um, <laughs> I have uh, faith in you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but goodness, yeah, I would I would love to. I mean, I think that I think that if we could just do like full audio dramas all the time, yeah. that's what we would be doing. Instead of, I mean, we have a really good time on this show, but yeah. like, man, full cast audio production is kind of, or a fiction production is sort of where it's at. It's very, very fun. Um, and it's so, it's so fun to like when you're in, in it, in the process, in the process. Uh, but then like when you get to hear it after, you know, yeah. super producer Andrew has done, put all of his touches put on all the magic it, in, like, right? Oh, so cool. Like we have just as much fun. As hopefully most of you do, <laughs> yeah, listening to it because we're like, oh goodness. my gosh, this sounds so great. Um, yeah, but yeah, 
Who knows? Maybe we'll revisit. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, and like like we said, like like it was difficult um, really narrowing down um, mm -hmm. what 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 bit to read from it. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to do lots more of those. Um, also, uh, so most of the uh, uh, full cast audio stuff that we've done here at work has been within the horror genre, yeah. um, which I think just speaks to us all being creepy bastards. But um, <laughs> uh but so if y'all are looking for stuff that that we have worked on, um, uh, there are, goodness, there's a few things that have aired in um, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know's feed. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you search for their fiction pieces, that'll probably pop up. Um, uh, Annie was also one <laughs> of our... Um, one of our character actors on a show called The Second Oil Age, um, which I got to do do a, a producer kind of role for. And also, I guess I'm in there, too, um, mm -hmm. uh, as is everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, right, we've mentioned before in 13 Days of Halloween, um, mm -hmm. both of us have had some 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 writing in there. I got to perform mine last year. It's real gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this 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 year's uh season is really really good. Um but goodness, yeah. No. I just want to do that stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um and uh over on stuff I've never told you the other podcasts I do, we have started doing fiction and actually it was because yeah? of 13 days of Halloween because I wrote like 13 things. I was like, <laughs> well, I know what we'll do. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. You should come and do some voice work for it. Yeah. Um, but the first one we did was for Halloween, Twisted, which was my conspiracy theory about why Twizzlers got rid of <laughs> Twisted Pills. <laughs> <laughs> which is my candy. <laughs> oh. Oh. Man. All right. It's well. Conspiracy. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, lots of lots of avenues. If y'all haven't Definitely. heard any of those, please please go check them out. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, our our coworkers and uh, friends do such great work, and it's so fun to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, thanks so much to these listeners for writing in. If you uh -huh. would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.